You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It is draft day. Oh, slight panic for a second because it was like, are you sure? Because you're really tired. Maybe it's not draft day. And then I got sad, but it's fine. It was like a fraction of a second. We're back. Everything's good. 98.7% sure it is officially draft day. If not, not a big deal. I got a lot of NyQuil upstairs. I will just sleep the day away and we'll start this again tomorrow. By the way, this could very well be the longest day of the year. I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. But I can't imagine this day isn't just going to drag on. Especially since the draft doesn't even start until my... I should have... Man, what I should have done is just slept in and then done the podcast after work. Because I don't know how I'm going to stay up. You guys are going to have to help me on this live stream. But it's going to be good. And I've had several people ask, when is it going to start? I don't know. If it was entirely up to me, meaning if I was still living that bachelor life, well, first of all, I, I probably wouldn't be going to work. But it would basically be me driving straight into my basement, what up dance party, and just starting the stream immediately. Me and, like, the one guy that actually wants to see what I'm doing at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I, it doesn't matter. It would just, it'd be going on right away. The issue with that, of course, is the whole, you know, responsibilities thing. We'll see. I don't know. But again, make sure you're in the Facebook group because I will be, any and all updates, I mean, I'll, I'll try to put it up on Twitter, uh, but for sure the Facebook group. And again, I'm not entirely sure how this stream is going to work. I believe I have to, because I can just live stream it if I click live stream from the group, but I'm going to be using software. And I think for that, to broadcast it, I need to do a Facebook page. So I probably share it from the Packernet Facebook page into the Facebook group. So I think the Facebook group, the Facebook uh, page, Packernet whatever Facebook page, also Twitter, all safe bets to be able to figure out what's going on. Um, but today, I don't know, man. I, you know, we're kind of just talking in circles. Twitter's kind of funny, man. It's just people racking their brain and be like, no, wait, wait, wait. I think this is going to happen. Well, no, but uh, it's a crazy year, as I said, as far as having no idea what's going on. I mean, really, I, I've, I've mentioned before there was that one draft three-ish years ago or whatever where everybody kind of knew what was going to happen and the draft almost exactly fell like that. And it was kind of a boring draft. Sort of like is expected to happen in picks one and two, which is funny because even picks one and two, I'm like, oh, I don't want it to go that way. That's just boring. But I, I legitimately, I don't even know what's going to happen at one. I'm not positive what's going to happen at two. Probably Bosa. But again, if Bosa goes number one, then I don't know what's going to happen at two. There's talk about quarterbacks trading up, Peter teams trading up for quarterbacks, which is just going to be crazy and great for the Packers. I know nothing, but you know, Let's just keep taking swings at this thing and see how many uh, questions we can answer. I do think it's going to be a shorter episode because I got a late start. Because I, if I remember quick correctly, I was trying to hit snooze over and over again and it didn't work. 
So I just shut the alarm off, which is always a dangerous game to play. And I played it, and it, I, uh, I lost the game. But anyways, uh, random draft day podcast. Preliminaries, thank you very much to all my patrons. As I've mentioned before, I always forget who I've thanked already. So thank you to Eric, Josh, Todd and Sabina, Jeff and Chris, three of whom just jumped on yesterday. I thank you guys so much for getting involved. Hopefully there's something in there that... Um, that you can find useful. I'll have to check and make sure that the most updated version of my spreadsheet is up there because that's going to be a fun little resource for the draft. Again, if you want to get involved, a uh, buck a month gets you in. Otherwise, other ways to support the uh, channel, PayPal and Venmo. I just had somebody reach out and say PayPal wasn't working. Turns out it wasn't. So I got a new link on there. If you've tried it before and it wasn't working, um, again, I'm, I'm asking for uh, $4 for the 400th episode, which is tomorrow. This is episode 399. So we got PayPal, we got Venmo. Thanks to uh, Patrick, Davis, and Martin. Really appreciate the donations on Venmo. Otherwise, NFLBigBoard.com is updated. It's going to be a really uh, fun little resource there. As always, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review on iTunes, send me the information. I will enter you in the PFF contest. Questions? Call 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. All right, we'll take a break and start having some fun. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So first of all, uh, I got a question uh, this past Sunday, so it's been a while, from Jacob from Wisconsin. Saying, since we don't really have any glaring needs, wouldn't it make sense to kind of package up some of the later picks so that we can move up and get more high-impact players? This is one of those things where I'm having flashbacks back to when I used to say things that I haven't said in a very long time. Because I was saying for a real long time, I want studs in this draft. I haven't said it in a while, but I want to get back to that. I feel like the Packers have done a really good job of adding contributors. I think we did that in free agency. And I don't mean that to sound condescending to Preston, Zadarius, and Adrian Amos, especially Adrian Amos, who I said is very, very good. But I think a team filled with really, you know, with, with good, solid players is important, right? I've talked about the Dallas Cowboys having a solid group of guys with some studs on the team, like Leighton Vander Esch and uh, Demarcus Lawrence, obviously. But I think that's kind of the one thing, and I, I shouldn't say it's missing, because we have Devontae, we have David Bakhtiari, we have Aaron Rodgers. But if you think about it, and I was having a discussion with somebody uh, through text who was talking about how we do have kind of those studs and how those are kind of the important pieces, whatever. Those are the pieces that are going to help us win, right? We can talk all we want about how much we love, you know, Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari and, uh, you know, Blake is a solid player. But at the end of the day, there's a couple people that are really, really, really making the difference. 
Right, for the Bears, what are the Bears without Khalil Mack? They're not very good. Is that a strong statement? Yes, but it's true. Who, who's going to get after the quarterback without Khalil? How good are these corners without the pass rush? It all kind of falls apart. So, yeah, as much as it would be nice to get some mediocre guys that can fill holes and add depth, I really, really, really want to walk away from this draft with a couple studs. And it, it doesn't just have to be pick 12. You look at some of the high-impact people that have been drafted lately, and it's especially at safety and whatnot, they're second round, third round, fourth round. But yeah, I mean, just in terms of philosophy, if I'm Brian Gutekunst and I'm sitting at 12 and I have to decide, we can stay here and definitely get a good player or we can move up and get a guy that is just going to be a freak. I kind of want to go get that freak, man. I was telling my friend yesterday I had that daydream again, probably just because I'm super excited for the draft, but it, it's sort of that way. Man, the draft is just a giant soap opera. That's all it is, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say that. But it's it's the whole what if factor, and it's it's the you know the the not knowing and and the drama and all this stuff that I claim to hate. Apparently, in a certain context, I'm all about the soaps, man. It's also strangely one of the few times in this country we uh, celebrate discrimination, which I think is hilarious. But uh, anyways, <laughs> we do, man. Don't act all high and mighty like you're all anti-discrimination and say you love the draft. Mr. He's too short, he's too tall, he's too fat, he's too slow, he's weak, he's soft, he's got a bad attitude, he doesn't have a bad enough attitude. What's wrong with you, man? Why do you hate people so much? Happy Discrimination Day. <laughs> oh, I find it funny, I don't know. Sorry, a little sidebar. This whole thought came to me because of the whole Wonderlick scandal. Like, that's not right, that's discrimination. Like, yeah, dummy, that's what this whole process is. This whole thing is one giant discrimination fest. You didn't pick up on that? That's what all of this is. You're just suddenly, like, bothered by it. Yes, this is one brute... I was listening to Cleland Furl talk about, like, oh, yeah, how's this process going? He's like, well, it's kind of brutal, man. (laughs) It's like, I've never been, uh, I've never been uh, talked about in this kind of a way before. Everybody's just trying to find ways to be really mean to me. Jakai Polite kind of voiced something about that the other day. About how everybody's picking on me. Yeah, that's pretty much what these guys are going through for months. Hey Jonah, nice short arms there, T-Rex. <laughs> what a loser. That's all we've been doing for months. Anyways, I get a kick out of it. I don't know, I got a weird sense of humor, I guess. I think I should make that a t-shirt. Save it for the 2020 draft. Happy Discrimination Day. Oh, boy. Anyways, I don't know how we got here. All right, draft is a soap opera, drama, daydream that we we're going to trade up to want to get Nick Bosa. But but just the, the excitement, and I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but literally the excitement of not knowing and all the extra draft capital and having two first-round picks means not for, not, I shouldn't say not just for everyone because that doesn't even make sense, but I guess in a generalized sense, nobody knows what's going to happen, which is exciting, but especially the Packers because Brian Gutekunst is more aggressive than Ted Thompson. Brian Gutekunst has two first-round draft picks and a bunch of draft capital. I've said that two first-round picks gets us probably to about four, but we have other picks that we can utilize, plus there's also the option of 2028 picks and whatever. If Brian Gutekunst really wanted to, we could go up and get Quinnen. We could go up and get Bosa. So it's, it's going to be similar to when I just sit down and it's like, oh man, I just realized it's draft day and it's exciting. I'm going to sit down, we're going to start this live stream, I'm going to have this, well, we got to wait till pick 12 kind of attitude, and then it's going to dawn on me, wait a minute, be on your game, man, because any second now that, that Packers logo can flash on the screen. 
just don't know. And it's not impossible. So, yeah, to, to Jacob's question, I would prefer that. Now, talking about later picks, obviously the later you go, the less you can move up. So, again, according to the trade value chart, pick 12 and 30 gets us up to pick 4. Just to give you an idea, because also you got to remember, as you get closer up, so if we, let's just say, for example, we're at 4, and it's like, all right, how do we get to 3 with uh, to get Quinn in or whatever. So we know we can get to four. We want to get to three. And one and two gets us to four. How much more do we need to get to three? If we trade pick seven, both pick sixes, and pick five, and pick, uh, and both of our, so both fourth round picks, a fifth round pick, both sixth round picks, and a seventh round pick, it doesn't add up to enough to go from four to three. So just to give you an idea of how much value we're talking about. Now, on the other hand, Two first-round picks and a third-round pick does get us to round three, or uh, pick three. Now, to get up to pick one, it's probably going to be both first-round picks and a 2020 first-round pick, and I don't even know if that's enough, so do I want to do that? No, but I'm just saying there's that kind of what-if, man. And who knows? I mean, the trade value chart is never exactly accurate, but we got to err on the side of it's going to be more because I've looked at past drafts, and it's always... It's like the trade value chart plus like 15% tacked on to it. So it, it would be basically like four first-round picks for us to move up. The two that we have and then maybe another two. Or at least next year's first and next year's second or something. Which is too much, but, you know, whatever. So I would say once pick four rolls around, we're kind of getting to that territory where who knows. I don't remember which podcast I was listening to, but somebody wasn't exactly super high on Quinnen. Gave the impression that maybe he could fall a little bit. Um, as far as trading up, though, it, it, you know, I've kind of voiced this, but in my opinion, there aren't a lot of people I want to trade up for. I don't want to trade up for Ed Oliver. I don't know how much I care for him in our scheme anyways. I know a lot of people don't really care, but I mean, you, you have to be able to do what you're being asked to do. And if you're going to come out and be a situational pass rusher, I'm just, that's, that's not worth trading up for. Even if you are a really, really, really good situational pass rusher, and primarily we're going to be in nickel anyways, rushing the passer, that's great. But you know, we had trouble stopping the run last year. And we're not adding a linebacker because apparently we're trading up to get Ed Oliver, or at least we're not getting one of the better linebackers. So we might actually be going backwards by going from Dean Lowry to Ed Oliver in terms of run defense. I just, I'm, I'm not moving up for him. If we take him at 12, cool. I'm just, I'm not nearly as high on him as everybody else. I mean, it just depends on, on scheme. And I, I think I care more about scheme than everybody else. Every especially pass rusher and stuff, everybody keeps saying, oh, this would be a great pass rusher for this. It's like, that's a 3-4 outside linebacker. You're saying it's a great fit for a 4-3 team. Why? I mean, I know he can do it, but it's like you're just taking his value and cutting it into a third, you know, keeping the two-thirds part, but you're, you're shaving off a big piece. But the the guys I think would be worth trading up for, again, Quinnen, Bosa, obviously, but he's not going to fall to three, as I've said. If He's either going to go number one, and if he doesn't, the 49ers will take him at two. And if they don't, it'll be because somebody's trading up to two to do it. The only scenario in my mind that he falls farther is if, is if San Francisco really just wants to get more picks. And, you know, for, you know, let's say Arizona takes Quinn and San Francisco trades out of the spot for Kyler. The Jets take a, uh, they take Josh Allen. And then Oakland's sitting there at four. But, but they're not going to, you know, we could try to trade up with them, but they're just going to laugh in our face, hang up the phone and draft Quinn or uh, Bosa. So I, I don't know. But Quinnen would be one. The other one that I could think that might fall that nobody seems to think will would be Josh Allen. Now, by fall, I you know I don't know exactly how far he gets before somebody snatches him up because he is a very good football player. And I, I don't want to sound... I would probably take him over Burns 
I don't really know if I want to trade up for him, but I'm just trying to think out loud of people that I'd be willing to trade up for. And by trade up, I mean maybe I'd be willing to move up with Detroit at eight if he fell that far, which would cost maybe a third round pick. I don't want to give up a third, but whatever. So I don't know. I mean, it's exciting. And I know, I know Jacob wasn't just talking about pick 12. In fact, I think most bang for our buck here, and we could actually amplify this by trading back depending on the situation. Obviously, I don't want to tr- just go into this saying, hey, we're trading back. I mean, let's see who's available. We might end up getting a real stud. But if we don't think that that, that stud, that instant impact, well, we, there's going to be instant impact people regardless, but you know those freaks, that, that number two tier type guys, if none of those are available, maybe trading back and then doing a lot of damage in rounds two and three. As I've mentioned before, you kind of get into that Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Seattle area, and we're getting another second round pick. That's if we trade back from 12, and another second would be pretty cool. Beyond that, as far as trading up, that's when you're, because, you know, in the second round, they're not worth as much. So now all of a sudden you trade a fourth round pick and you're moving up kind of a lot. So we could trade one of our fourth round picks and go from pick 44 to, uh, I don't know, pick 38. And in that scenario, we still have two first round picks. We would have two second round picks because we traded back from 12 and then still have a third, fourth, fifth, two sixths, and a seventh because we're just trading one of our fourths. We have two fourths. So I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, you look at all the, I really am excited about those, those players from like pick 25 to pick 55. So, I mean, if we can just like throw a grenade in that area and just bomb that area. You know, we get Pittsburgh's pick 20, we get 20, we get 30, we get 37, we get 52. You know, we, we're walking away with some quality people. We got offensive linemen, we get safeties, we got wide receivers. And it, that's kind of the other thing, too, is, is uh, positionally, right? I mean, if you're looking at for a high impact, part of, you know, guys that are going to start and make a huge difference has to do with where they play. My f- obvious example, quarterback. Not all players are created equal. If we draft a quarterback, no matter how good he is, he's sitting on the bench. That's no impact. A wide receiver can be really high impact for us, whereas he wouldn't be for another team because we have a number one already. If he goes to another team where he's expected to be the number one, he might not be as high of an impact. Plus, they might not have as good of a quarterback as Aaron Rodgers. So having a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, having a wide receiver opposite you in Devontae Adams could make one of these guys a real big stud, depending on who we end up picking. Safety, same situation as far as uh, with Adrian Amos being there. And I will say this as much as it, it breaks my heart. I don't think Taylor Rapp is a good pit fit for the Packers. And that's a big, big difference. A lot of these people that I say I like, it's, it's a lot of it is about fit, right? I've talked about how uh, Jeffrey Simmons makes a lot of sense for some teams, not a lot of sense for, I don't think Jeffrey Simmons is a great pick for the Packers. Would I be happy if we took him? Yeah, because he's a freak. But also, whereas the Colts are probably going to be a, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a team that's probably going to be the, the Patriots, that would just be a, a great pick for them as much as I would hate it. Because you know they're just going to stroll their way into the playoffs anyways, and then Simmons is going to be there to help them win another Super Bowl. I think the Packers need a quick start, which is why we need instant impact players. I want guys playing week one, right? Linebackers, Devin White, Devin Bush. Those guys are playing week one, instant impact, high impact. Christian Wilkins, as much as we might not like it, he's playing week one, and he's going to make a really big impact. Pass rushers, probably. Rotationally, yeah. Hopefully would have a really big impact. Wide receivers, instant impact. Tight end, probably. It's going to be really hard, you know, depending on who it is, to push out Jimmy Graham, especially as much money as he's making, and uh, Mercedes Lewis. I mean, he'll play. If we get TJ Hawkinson, he's going to play. But they're not just going to sit, you know, our, our veteran tight ends. 
you know, offensive lineman, obviously. Now, right tackle isn't instant impact. I've said that I'm okay with it because I'm worried about 2020 and beyond. Now, if we just extend Balaga for like a year or two, then all those problems go away and I don't have to worry about him. We don't have to worry about drafting an offensive tackle. And then we can draft a tackle like in the fourth round, see if he pans out, and if he doesn't, big deal, bunch of good tackles next year. And we don't have to extend them today. I'm just saying, as long as that option's on the table, we can wait until next year, see how the draft stacks up, and then possibly look to extend him. Although we'd have to do it beforehand anyways. Otherwise, he might end up signing with another team because his contract's up. Whatever. But who are the guys that are going to help us week one beat the Bears? That that really does need to be our focus more than a lot of other teams. Think specifically about our schedule, the Bears, the Vikings, how do we beat these teams? Because I want and I need and we need a fast start. All right, this, this, a lot of what the Packers are doing right now, phase one and all that stuff, is about buy-in. It's about learning how to do things, learning how things are going to be, a culture and setting all that stuff. The guys are buying in now, but how many losses does it take before guys realize all this has been garbage, it's been phony nonsense, we're not a good team? That buy-in gets solidified when they go to Chicago and win that game. Suddenly it's like, we've got something real here. Then you get Aaron Rodgers in the media, and he starts talking about, you know, kind of that run-the-table talk where he's like, look, this is real, this is legitimate, this is a good team, this is one of the better teams I've played with, I love the scheme, I love the... He starts talking about that stuff, he gets the guys all amped. You see what I'm saying? The Packers need that. That's why every team is different, every team has different ideas and philosophies, and I think with the Packers, they need, as Jacob said, to get these high-impact players, and I believe that. Again, I'm fine with doing the adult things and the responsible things, but I kind of think if there's a year for Brian Gutekunst to get a little crazy, this might be it. You just got a brand new uh, guy, and, 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 and I think we should do a lot of offense. I know some people disagree with that, but I, I you know, not saying exclusively, and not saying we don't get a safety or anything like that, but I'm saying we need to make sure this offense is scary again, and it's just not scary. Aaron Rodgers is scary, Devontae's scary, and we've got a good pass blocker in Bakhtiari. I think we should add a running back. I think we need to bolster this offensive line. I know for a fact we need another wide receiver. I mean, you know, that the, the idea of going tight end and wide receiver at 12 and 30 doesn't bother me at all. Not even a little bit. By the way, I just saw recently the rumor that the only wide receiver that's being consistently talked about as a first-round guy, which I find surprising, but word on the street is, it's Hollywood Brown. Now, that probably means he's going to go before pick 30, but if he falls to 30... I know a lot of people are worried about his size. I get that. I think the Packers are worried about size. They've talked about bigger guys uh, wanting to build people up for their, you know, whatever. Kevin King even apparently is, uh, you know, he's built up quite a bit. By the way, he's, he's already hurt or still hurt, whatever the case may be. But he came in kind of bulked up because he keeps getting all these, you know, the shoulder injury stuff. So they're trying to strengthen his shoulders and his chest and stuff to try to help prevent more injuries so it would make sense rather than drafting another guy that's going to be prone to injuries because he's 104 pounds just draft the 225 pound guy because there's like six of them just sitting there but yeah I, I really think between let's just say that the the top 100 players right now we have four picks I think we could get as many as six picks if we trade back from 12 trade up from four we'll say five if we can get five picks in the top 100 I think we're sitting pretty good but ultimately, it just comes down, because as I said, you can get guys later that are really solid too, and I think that's going to be important an important piece. And that's why Ted Thompson was really doing a lot of work in the later rounds, because he understood that. Problem is, he just kept missing in the first round. So it's, it's kind of a delicate balance, because you want to get those freaks in the first round. You want to get that pick right, because only about 50% of teams actually get quality starters in the first round, which is crazy. But if you want to have a great draft like the Colts did, like the Saints did, 
you got to hit in rounds two, round three, round four, round five, round six. I don't know if you're ever going to hit in round seven, but maybe once in a while. Anyways, take a quick break, and then I got another question I want to get to. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So Mr. Andy in the Facebook group asked this question, and I'm only going to be able to partially answer it, but I'll do my best. It says, which wide receiver at pick 30, assuming no wide receiver picked a 12, could become the number two wide receiver this season? Then, how would our number three wide receiver stack up against other teams, uh, number three to five, using your positional comparison method? I think that's a fantastic question. Unfortunately, I don't have that, and it would take some time to do that. But I will do that post-draft because it's going to be interesting because things like that will shift, and it's going to be awesome to be able to look at that. But that's kind of another benefit of why we want a number two wide receiver. Because a lot of people are, the, the reason they don't want it is because, well, we got EQ and MVS and all that stuff. And that's fine, but but the good thing is we don't have to worry about what if they don't take a step because they're probably going to take a step. It's going to be a relatively small step. They're going to be good contributors. But here's the situation. We get a number two, and let's assume he's a very good number two. And we can debate which one is going to be the best, especially when you compare you know to the wide receivers we already, already have. That's why a slot would kind of make a lot of sense because a lot of these... All of these other guys can play outside. Then all we really need is a solid number three. Whether that's Geronimo Allison, Equinemius St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. If any one of these guys can even be a good wide receiver. Because remember, they were all like right at average. Barely. They were all clumped up together at barely average. But if they can be good, this is going to be a freakishly scary wide receiver group. Because Aaron Rodgers going from a bunch of meh wide receivers and one good one to two really good wide receivers, you know, two really good wide receivers. Correction, let me try this one more time. One elite wide receiver, one very good slot receiver, and then a good number three. In other words, a number three wide receiver that on a lot of teams is going to be essentially be a number two wide receiver. That, that, that entire wide receiver thing from compared from 2018 to 2019 is flipped on its head. And it all bounces off each other. That's going to help Devontae be a better wide receiver also. So, you know, I, I'm not in necessarily the top five conversation. I'm, I'm right in that group. I'm not going to fight you over it. I, I would just, I, I'm just saying it's hard to definitively put him in top five. But he can definitively solidify his spot as a top wide receiver much more easily if we've got help. And again, if, if it ends up being, you know, Hawkinson and then Nikhil or you know, A.J. Brown or, or whoever in the slot or Hollywood, you know, Hakeem Butler, any of them, Debo Samuel, it's going to help uh, Devontae. And Devontae and EQ, whoever that number three is going to be or however many number threes we're going to have, they all get better because the other ones are there. And, and you know, you know that, that, that tight end, whether Hawkinson, Fant, Sternberger, Irv Smith, if we end up getting any of these guys, that, that adds to the equation. And yeah, I, I want to go heavy offense. I really do. I know we still need help on defense, and it, it would be great to be able to build the defense. Defense wins championships. We've seen over the last few years, great offenses with bad defenses aren't faring quite as well. That that wasn't always the case. There have been really good offenses with decent enough defenses to get you there, but we definitely got to fix the defense. But I, I just think if Aaron Rodgers isn't on point, right, the offense doesn't need to be great, but it needs to be good enough that Aaron Rodgers can drag the team again. And last year, he couldn't even drag it. 
So I, I just I just want to reload, man. I, I just want to reload. Just restock it. Kind of like drafting a punter. It's one of those things. We don't have to do it every year. But let's just take a year and load up. Let's load up on offense. And then next year we'll go back to every year. Defense, 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 defense. But can we take a year where half the draft and, and three quarters of the early picks are offense for one time ever? I think we can do that. I'm okay with that. And as far as which wide receiver, I, I don't really care. That I think one of, the, one of the important aspects is the ability to play inside and outside. A lot of people have talked about how, you know, Lafleur doesn't run as many, you know, spread it out type concepts, five wide. A lot of it is just two wide receiver type thing. I don't know if that's really, you know, indicative of his plan in Green Bay. Or if that's just kind of, you know, we, that's what we did where we were because of the kinds of players we had. But it's it, similar to Jair where you draft a guy, he's basically a slot guy, but he has the outside ability. And because he's the best guy available, we just put him outside all the time. I think that could be the same case with this. You don't want a pure slot guy. I don't know if Debo has the ability to go outside. If he does, great. If not, I don't know that I, I think that's the best option because... If you get just a pure slot guy, he's the guy that you have to pull off the field, meaning it's primarily going to be Devontae and, you know, Geronimo or whoever. And then our stud first-round pick just comes in when we spread it out in three wide receiver sets, which we don't do allegedly as much. So if, if what would be ideal is to have, for example, Devontae Adams and Nikhil Harry as your number one and number two, and these are the guys that are out there all the time. And then if we spread it out to three wide receiver, four wide receiver, whatever, all Nikhil does is slide inside of the slot, and we substitute out the boundary spot to somebody else. So, and and, and there's a bunch of them. There's a lot of those guys in this draft. So that that kind of takes DK out of the equation because he's probably not going in the slot. And look, all these guys can do it somewhat. If we wanted to put DK in the slot, we could. But it's just we want to find people that can naturally handle this kind of stuff. Hollywood Brown does make sense, right? You can happily put him outside as your Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson deep burner kind of guy. And then, you know, again, happily slide him in the slot um, when, you're, when you're spreading out your wide receivers. All right, one more break, and then all I'm going to do is start reading off the latest rumors that I've heard, and we're just going to call it a day. So be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So I already mentioned the Hollywood Brown rumor that came out very recently that uh, apparently this guy is not making it out of the first. Nikhil Harry also doesn't believe he said he's going to make it past the 33rd pick, which is kind of a random statement to make, right? It's like saying, oh, I don't know how far I'm going to go, but I'm not going past 42. Like, oh, do, do you know something? Well, 33 is, is Arizona. So, you know, the, the, the reason I bring it up is a lot of people have mentioned, well, maybe we'll just get Nikhil at 44. I don't think so, man. I mean, anything's possible. If, if Josh Jackson can slide to the second round to the Packers, anything could happen. But um, if, if that's your thought process, if that's kind of your, your mock scenario, probably not going to happen. Uh, Dwayne Haskins mentioned that his best pre-draft meeting was with the Raiders. So, that I mean, the, the dra- it's so funny because coming into this draft, the quarterback thing was supposed to be really boring. And this is going to be one of the more exciting quarterback uh, drafts in a pretty long time. I mean, last year was exciting just because there was a lot of them, and you weren't sure exactly who was going to take who. 
But this feels kind of like a bloodbath. Like all the guys at the top really seem to want certain guys, and it's going to be a, a, a battle. So if Washington really wants Haskins, which apparently they do, they might have to try to leapfrog Oakland in order to get there. Meaning it could be Kyler Murray going at one to Arizona and the Jets trading with Washington at three, which would be fantastic because Washington picks after us. Meaning a team like the Jets, who are absolutely 100% positively going to be taking a player that we would like to have, is trading out of that spot entirely behind us, and a team is taking their spot to get a quarterback. So basically by pick four, the only guy that's gone that we care about is Bosa. And at four, you would assume it's going to be Quinnen, unless they do something crazy and take Daniel Jones or whatever. But you figure if the Giants are taking Daniel Jones at six, then by pick seven, there have only been three are, uh, yeah, three players. Uh, the 49ers, Oakland Raiders, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the only teams that have taken non-quarterbacks. Then if Jacksonville takes an offensive lineman, as much as we could use one, I don't care. That's another player I don't really care about. So by pick eight, only three guys are gone. And we assume two of them are Bosa and Quinnen, who we never expected to have anyways, meaning there's just one guy gone that we care about by the time we get to pick eight, which is insanely crazy because Detroit supposedly wants to trade down. So maybe, so the one guy that's gone is what? Maybe Devin White, it could be Josh Allen, could be Ed Oliver. But that also means two of those three are available at pick eight. Think about how crazy that is. Now, that means we could trade up to pick eight to get one of them, or we could wait. But let's just say, for example, Tampa Bay takes, uh, I don't know, supposedly they really want, uh, I I don't think it's going to happen, but let's just say it's Devin White. That means Josh Allen and Ed Oliver are available at pick eight. Now, we'd probably have to move up here because, in my opinion, they're probably going to go runner-runner here, right? If, If Detroit has to stay... It would make sense. Either of those guys could make sense. As much as they don't need defensive line help, they could use an interior pass rusher they don't really have. They've got some great run defenders, but I think more importantly, they'd like to have Josh Allen. As much as maybe he's not the best fit scheme-wise, I don't think anybody seems to care except me. But if we could trade up to eight, we got Josh Allen. Like I said, I could see him falling. We got him just sitting there. So that's why some of this stuff is kind of crazy. If three quarterbacks go and Jacksonville takes an offensive lineman, stuff could be real crazy. What would be really, really crazy is if my crazy prediction came true that Tampa Bay takes Jawan Taylor and Jacksonville takes Jonah Williams because then then that's two offensive linemen, three quarterbacks, which is five of seven, and it's just Bosa and Quinnen that are gone, and by pick eight, all of them are still there. Pretty unlikely, and there's probably going to be a lot of teams, you know, so another thing, Atlanta's probably going to want to trade up. So if Atlanta goes up to eight to get uh, Ed Oliver, that's kind of fine because I'm not super high on him anyway. So again, Josh Allen, Devin White, TJ Hawkinson, Devin Bush. I mean, it's just, it, and we're two picks away. And then if Denver takes Drew Locke, oh boy. Oh, man, do I want Denver to take Drew Locke. Can you imagine four quarterbacks being gone before our pick and two offensive linemen? Six players that, you know, and I, you know, I, we, we could use an offensive lineman, whatever. But, oh, would that be crazy. Um, still believe that Jeffrey Simmons is going to be round one, and uh, I guess the teams around the league still are buying into the Kyler Murray to the Cardinals. As I've said, I don't really get it, but it, I do think it's going to happen. We'll see, though. It would be the, the, the ultimate the ultimate kind of crazy scenario if they didn't actually do it. Um, somebody we haven't really talked about a lot is is apparently flying up the boards. Safety Darnell Savage is apparently in the conversation for maybe being the first safety taken off the board. 
Um, somebody else that also could be the first safety we haven't talked about a lot is Jonathan Abram. Abram is just a, a, a monster. He's just a killer. He seems like he has a really awesome personality. I've heard him, him interview before, and he sounds like a really fun guy, but I just worry about him kind of being a little bit too aggressive. As for my list, I have Darnell Savage at uh, sixth overall. That's only out of 14 safeties. I didn't have a lot on my list here. Actually, this isn't even the updated one because I have... Darn it. Whatever. I'm sure that doesn't change very much. But the biggest thing with Darnell Savage, um, as far as my spreadsheet and all these different like statistical things, he didn't really blow anything away, right? His, his tackling efficiency, I gave him a 5 out of 10. Run stop percentage, got a 6 out of 10. Pass rush grade, which is his PFF, is 5.61, which is terrible. But his run defense grade by PFF was uh, 80, 80.4. His coverage grade was 86.1, and his relative athletic score was 8.3. So PFF liked him, and he's a relatively high athletic type of guy at 8.3. And I I, I briefly mentioned that I don't think Taylor Rapp is going to be the guy. The reason I say that is I think the Packers want to do something similar to what the Bears did, which is, you know, similar to everything that they do. It's all about versatility. Right? Everybody has to be able to do all things. And to get a guy like Taylor Rapp, who isn't really going to be able to play single high, I think is really going to limit the Packers more than they want to. Now, maybe he can. I've, I've, I just listened to somebody yesterday saying he's not worried about his speed because his play speed is much faster. But I just kind of wonder if maybe it's a little too slow that they can't risk it and they wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, kind of alternating, similar to what the Bears did with Amos, where sometimes they had him high, sometimes they had him up. And they just kind of basically the two safeties were interchangeable. And you've even heard of Amos, you know, when people have asked him on Twitter or whatever about, you know, what is your position going to be? And he's like, it, it doesn't really matter anymore. That's not really, you know, the free safety, strong safety thing isn't really a thing. Well, for some players, it kind of is because they're so one dimensional. You know, some of these guys, they're super good, you know, single high type guys, but they're not really good tacklers. They're not really good against the run. Other guys are really good tacklers, but they're not great in coverage. Or in uh, Taylor Rapp's case, I think he's fine in coverage, but it's just it's a matter of can he get there in time. And I think, you know, with a guy like Darnell Savage, I think he kind of has that ability to do what up? That's my gotta-go-to-work dance party music. I think he kind of provides that versatility, and a lot of these guys have that versatility. But Savage, you know, depending on, you know, he's got the athleticism and the speed to be able to, to cover. Now, that's, that's different than being good at coverage, because there's intelligence and fluidity and all these different things that come into play. But the speed isn't going to be a limitation, and he is a good tackler, which could make him a good fit. Darnell Sav, or excuse me, Jonathan Abram is kind of the other. He, he might be a little more one-dimensional, similar to Taylor Rapp. Not so much from a speed standpoint, but from just a straight coverage standpoint. So it, it really just comes down to do, do the Packers think that Jonathan Abram would be a good cover guy? Because we all know he can just hit like a Mack truck. And that's cool, but, you know, we, we would have two guys named Smash, I guess. But I just, I kind of want a little bit more balance. Which I actually think, you know, as far as balance goes, Juan Thornhill makes a lot of sense. He's actually my highest graded safety on here. And uh, if you look at his tackling efficiency grade, was a 6, which isn't great. But his run stop percentage uh, was a 9 out of 10. It was the highest of any safety. His pass rush grade was actually the second highest, uh, only behind Jonathan Abram. So he has that versatility. His run defense grade was the high... The, yes, the highest of anybody on this entire group, including Taylor Rapp, including Jonathan Abram, uh, including, you know, Darnell Savage and Deontay Thompson. And his coverage grade, even though it was seventh, uh, it really wasn't low. 87 was his grade, which is solid. 87 is solid in coverage. Jonathan Abram and Marvell Tell are the only ones that didn't have very good grades. 
in coverage. And beyond that, relative athletic score, he had a very high relative athletic score. It was actually the highest of any safety, Juan Thornhill 9.78. So, you know, it, 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 again, he's sort of a spreadsheet guy. I don't, I don't really know about watching him play. I haven't really watched him all that much. Taylor Rapp's the guy I like to watch, but the spreadsheet guy is Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. Has the versatility, great against the run, great against coverage, super, super athletic, which you know is going to get the Packers guys all worked up because they're big on relative athletic score and all that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, I'll just call that a prediction. If he's available at 44, that's going to be the guy that I think is just going to be taken, depending on who else is there. If, if Fant falls or something, I might have to change my, my thought process, or if we've already got a safety, obviously. I'm not going to say Juan Thornhill. But anyways, I, I, I think he kind of fits the uh, the mold that I'm looking for in terms of being um, versatile in multiple ways as opposed to one-dimensional. Again, Darnell Savage is also kind of, he does both. I think Deontay Thompson is kind of a does-both kind of thing. Uh, Jaquan Johnson out of Miami kind of does both, but super, super terrible relative <laughs> athletic score. So those would be the ones that I would be thinking of. I really want to keep going here, but I've got to get going to work, so... As I said, going to be slightly shorter one, um, but I will compensate for that by doing a three-hour live stream. How does that sound? Sound good? Good. Well, try your best to get through this day. Try your best to be very productive at work. I know it's not going to be easy. And um, in a matter of mere hours, as in today, we will have new Green Bay Packers on the team, officially on the roster, ready to go, get to work, stop messing around. I've never loved this countdown feature on my website so much in my life. 14 hours, 54 minutes, and 35 seconds until the NFL draft. Anyways, enjoy your day. I will talk to you later today as well as tomorrow when we talk about these draft prospects. Have a... Oh, and I don't work tomorrow. It's going to be a special day. Have a good one. Bye-bye.